thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. <laughs> so we're going to sing this song. It's called Storyteller. This is one of my favorite songs in the whole entire universe. It's by Morgan, Bar- Morgan Harper Nichols, Jamie Grace's sister. Mm-hmm. It's all about stories and what God has done in people's lives. Like your life and my life. I'm remembering you were right there and you have been ever since. You know, God's always been there, people. Every page that turns. Every page that turns. I see your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the mountain where I climbed, the valley where I fell, you were there all along. That's the story I'll tell. You brought the pieces together Who made me this storyteller Now I know it is well It is well That's the story I'll tell There were some nights that felt like That would last forever I've been there but you kept me breathing. Kept me breathing. You were with me right there. And all that you have done for me. God is faithful, people. I can never hold it in. Nope. So here's to me telling this story. Over and over again. The mountains where I climbed. The valley where I fell. You were there all along. That's the story I'll tell. So true. My eyes are open. I know that it is well. It is well. You hold the broken. You hear every cry. Every cry. Story. 
totally want to sing that again. <laughs> but I will hold back and not do it again. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. If you don't know who I am, I am Stacey Lynn Harp. I am your sweet and lovable host, and I'm trying to make sure that I speak into the microphone because sometimes I forget to do that. Uh, so how has your day been? Has it been good? Hmm? You know, I have to tell you, I love this song by uh, Morgan Harper Nichols because first time I heard it, it was after I met her her sister, Jamie Grace, um, and I had her on my show, and she told me, um, she told me about Mar Morgan's music, and I actually just fell in love with Morgan's music because it's just so, it's so rich. She's, she's such a soul, and I mean, this this girl is young enough to be my daughter. I mean, her mom and dad are like my age. And I'm just like, such a talented, gifted uh, storyteller, you know? And and I don't know about you, but life is made up of the stories we tell ourselves, right? Um, I can tell you, whatever you think in your heart, that is the story you tell yourself, right? I was telling somebody this week um, about my journey of, and maybe this sounds crazy, but I'll just start with this and then we can jump into this topic. Um, but, you know, many years ago, I had somebody tell me that I was brave. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> ah. Glad you think so, but that's not like my definition of brave because I know me. I'm a big chicken. Yeah, I am. Admittedly, totally. I'm actually, I might look like a rhino on the outside with big, thick rhino skin, but really inside, I'm just a chicken dressed up in a rhino suit. And um, that's just, you know, really what I am. And, um, and, but then, you know, as time went on, you know, 25 years ago or whatever it was when I heard this for the first time that I was brave, I, I, I just wasn't getting it. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then as you get older, Lord willing, hopefully your perspective gets different because you're, you get older and you're hopefully more mature, maybe not always, but hopefully you grow up a little. Um, I started to see things and I became a therapist. I began to work with people and I would see when other people were brave and I would, I would look at it and I'd go, wow, it's pretty cool. That took some courage to do that, you know? And anyway, it wasn't until probably two years ago, maybe a year ago, it was in the short past, short distance past, um, when it really hit me one day, what it was that people were actually recognizing in my life. And I mean, I just remember it hit me like, oh, <laughs> that's what you're seeing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess so. guess by that standard, I'm brave, right? I, I don't still own it. I'm not, I'm not owning it yet, to be honest. I'm not completely owning it, but I understand it a little bit better. It's gone more from here to the heart. But it really starts with the story 
that you tell yourself. And, you know, a couple of days ago, I was talking to Randall, Pandle Bearface. It's not his real name. But anyway, I was talking to him and I was telling him that I was nervous about a conversation I was going to have. And uh, if you're a watching person that I talk to about this conversation, it's okay. I, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, Randall was telling me, he goes, well, just use the phrase, the story I'm telling myself is. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're our own worst communicator. I mean, we communicate with ourselves, right? We have these conversations in our head all day long, unless you're crazy and you're blind and you're deaf or something. You're talking to yourself all day long and you're going back and forth. And me, I... I tend to want to figure everything out on my own. Um, I don't, I'm not the type of person to pick up the phone and go, Hey, Alice, can you give me some advice on? <laughs> it's just not me. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll read a book or I'll listen to a show or I'll listen to a podcast. I'll do something, but I won't like actually go anywhere and, and try to get help. Um, so, um, So then it hit me, this whole brave thing, it hit me. Um, And it occurred to me that sometimes when a person appears to be brave, it's not really them being brave as much as it is God empowering them to stand in a culture that wants to really chew you up and spit you out because you dared to say something true. It's kind of like that old... Uh, story about the emperor who has no clothes, right? The child calls it out and says, hey, that guy has no clothes on. Everybody else is like, la, 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 la. Like, we're going to completely ignore this. But the child, like, you know, calls it out. And really, in a way, that's my life. Um, I called it out. I, I broke the family secret. I, I exposed the family lie. I I went to the mat because God was on my side. And yeah, I guess that took some courage. But at the time, I didn't see it that way. And, you know, at the time, you know, all it was for me was a means of survival. It wasn't a means of like, I'm going to put on my armor. I'm going to put on my cape. Yeah, I am. And I'm going to go in and <laughs> save the day. No, it was more like, you know, I think I'm just going to do this. And wherever the chips will fall, they'll fall. And if I don't get killed in the process, it'll be a good day. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how it is, you know. Um, and I think if you interview people who have been known to go in and do, uh, do like what they would call uh, supernatural rescue or whatever, you know, they, people who lift cars off from a kid that got ran over or something like that. They wouldn't tell you, oh, yeah, I, I suited up, put my cape on, decided to be brave. No, they would just say they just did whatever it took to get to that point. And I think that's where we're at in our and cul- in, in our culture right now. I think that America is at a tipping point. And I think that it is time for followers of Jesus Christ to basically stand up and be counted. Um, Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some news and research that has come out that that should trouble you. Um, But I'm trying not to trouble you. I don't want to trouble you because the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, you know. Um, But I want to encourage you because because when I share this news with you, 
it is unsettling, but it's not shocking. Uh, anybody who's been really watching our culture uh, as uh, um, that guy wrote a book called uh, Slouching Toward Gamora. What was that guy's name, Randall? I don't recall. He was the Supreme Court judge. Pretty sure. Well, anyway, there was this book written a long time ago called Slouching Towards Gamora. And the whole point of that book was to look at how the culture um, basically has declined. Why? Because there are two basically mutually exclusive worldviews. There is relativism, as Greg Kokel would say, which is feet firmly planted in midair, and which is the belief that basically, hey, you can make rules up that fit you, and then I can make rules up that fit me, and then, you know, what's good for you is good for you, what's good for me is good for me, and as a result of that, we're all good. So if I say it's okay to kill babies, and you say it's not okay, you can live your way, I can live mine, and there are no absolutes. That's one worldview. The other worldview is the one I adhere to, which is the one that says absolute truth exists. And that means that this absolute truth applies to all people in all places at all times. Uh, and so I believe that when absolute truth is rejected and we're living in a world of relativism, then literally feet, feet are firmly planted in mid midair. There's no... There's no foundation, and the culture slides down to, you know, it just goes down. As followers of, of Jesus, we are commanded in the word of God to uphold his statutes, that his statutes are good and true and just. And if we meditate on his word both day and night, and we get them in us, and we let them live through us, then we can be salt and light in a world, in a culture. We can be in the world, but not of it. We can, we can influence what's there for the good so that all people will be blessed as opposed to just those who are, you know, believe the other worldview. Um, and it used to be that the culture of America was really based on biblical principles. And we had the Ten Commandments in schools. We had people who read the Bible in our government, uh, we had a government that actually feared God. Uh, we had parents that raised their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, we had television way back, gosh, I don't even know how long ago, 70 years ago, that actually adhered to biblical morality. They wouldn't even show a husband and a wife in bed together. Um, and yet that has changed like you wouldn't believe. Um, I mean... I don't watch TV, and and I mean, I, I, I have Amazon Prime. I barely ever watch it. I might watch a documentary once in a while if somebody tells me about it. I have access to Netflix, never turn it on. Um, I watch YouTube, and on YouTube, I generally watch. I listen to music, or I listen to Bible teachers on YouTube. I mean, that's, that is my, quote, diet of media, because I know me. And I know the things that I've struggled with. I know the things that I've been exposed to. And an image can go in my head like you wouldn't believe and stumble me in a way that I don't want to be stumbled. And so you have to be very careful if you're going to walk 
uh, like David, you know, talked about in Psalm 119, if how can a man make his way pure? Well, by guarding his eyes and his heart, you know, and that means not just sexually, you know, pure, but also in your head, you know, in your thinking and your attitude, you know, uh, I'm going to say something and I don't mean it to be critical or um, mean in any way, because I'm just as guilty as the next guy some days. But Christians really should be positive people. You know, we need to be positive people who are um, um, being encouraging to the world, not jumping on the same bandwagon and jumping and screaming and yelling and pouting and screaming and complaining all the time <laughs> about stuff. And I know that it's easy to get into that trap of complaining that things are going the way they are and, you know, there's unrighteousness in the land and stuff. But you got to remember that none of what is happening is out of God's control or knowledge. He knows everything that's going on. Um, and if our eyes are focused on Christ, it's a lot easier to be happy and positive than it is if we're focusing on the news and on the lies that are out there. And the fact is, is that um, I don't, I don't focus on it because if I did, I know me, I know, I know I would get mad and I would be like, Rah! and I'm like, no, by temperament, that's not me. I don't want to be that, you know, I'm, I'm an otter. Yeah, I am <laughs> a playful, cute little otter people with long curly hair. That's what I am. And, you know, I, you know, I'd rather watch a cute little otter video <laughs> than, than, than watch the lie because the lies just irritate you and they make you mad and it's like that just gets a hook in you and you're like nope <clears throat> and everything in you you wants to beat the you know what out of somebody and it's like no nope, we can't go there people that's why god gave us the holy spirit to control us so we have self-control do i get irritated yes but my encouragement is you know to kind of take a break from it you know my favorite movie of all time should you ever decide you want to watch it is what about bob I love that movie. <laughs> My husband's like, oy vey. But I love that movie. I love it because, first of all, it's funny, especially as a therapist. It's absolutely hilarious. And Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus play those characters so good. And at one point, Richard Dreyfus's character, who is Dr. Leo Marvin, tells Bob, who's played by Bill Murray, you know what? You need to take a vacation from your problems. You know, you just need to take a vacation. And he gives them a prescription. You know, here, take a vacation from your problems. You know, and how do you do that? By taking baby steps. He hands them the book. And then baby steps. <laughs> Bob's, Bob's like, baby steps to the door. Baby steps to the elevator. Because <laughs> he's scared of everything. Baby steps into my car. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it's okay to take baby steps. It all begins with a baby step, just so you know. So let me just encourage you to take a baby step away from the news. <laughs> take a baby step towards Jesus. Let Jesus come and hold you and give you a hug if you're having a hard day because he loves you uh, and all that. Okay. All right. So yeah, maybe that's slightly silly, but um, hey, it is what it is. All right, let me say hi to some people. I see Daryl and Rob and Dave and James and 
way busy. Papa Bear Alaska, hey you, how you doing, Ron? And Karen in Periscope, um, and uh, and I'm sure there's other people, other places. But let's get into this article. This is from uh, ChristianNews.net, and it's titled. Christian research group, U.S. moving toward elimination of biblical worldview as cornerstone with society. Now, this should not shock anybody, uh, but it, this was just published, uh, and it's recent research. Um, and so let's read it. It says, Dr. George Barna and the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University are urging churches to step up to the plate and work to rebuild the biblical worldview in America. As the country is in the midst of a battle that transcends politics, but is rather rooted in the spiritual realm, most Americans are oblivious to this, the real civil war raging, ravaging rather America. Barna said in a statement, our nation is steadily moving toward the elimination of the biblical worldview as the cornerstone of our society. Barna made the comments as the conclusion of the Cultural Research Center's American Worldview Inventory Study which uncovered numerous concerns this year, both regarding the general spiritual state of the nation and the beliefs of those who profess to be Christians. As previously reported, the center's 11-part study found that 69% of those surveyed believe that man is basically good. Those who identified as Christian did not fare much better as 70% of evangelicals and Pentecostals and 75% of mainline Protestants agreed with that statement. So uh, I will just say that uh, that's not good. <laughs> the Bible contrarily teaches that all men are born with a sin nature, are intrinsically depraved, and are in need of the Savior to save them from themselves. Americans do not think of themselves as inherently sinful, the center laments. American adults are convinced of the innate goodness of humanity. Yep. And that's a huge lie, right? I mean, we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, so, yeah. Conflict and separation between people will continue to haunt civilization until it acknowledges its need for dependence upon and acceptance of God as the only power that can heal the effects of our sinful nature through the redemptive death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it warns. Researchers also found that many Americans reject moral absolutes. This is what I was just talking about, including some who claim to be Christians. A majority look within themselves or to family and friends rather than to the Bible when making moral decisions. Of all Americans surveyed in general, 58% agreed that identifying moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. One-third or 32% disagreed, and one out of 10 adults said they don't know. So I would be in the 32% there uh, because I would completely disagree <laughs> that, you know, because there are moral absolutes that apply to everybody. Um, the typical American believes truth is what I say it is, and no one can tell me otherwise, the center mourns. Americans believe that right and wrong can only be discerned by each individual based upon their feelings and circumstances and that what is right for one person might be wrong for another, but each must have the freedom to make those choices without external judgment. So everyone should be able to do what is right in their own eyes. Yeah, kind of like this book I've been reading. <laughs> Unless Americans return to accepting the Bible as a valid and consistent source of truth, 
and the authoritative guide for ethical and moral decision-making, our nation is doomed to wallow in a sea of moral uncertainty and inconsistency, it urges. The mindset that truth is up to the individual also applies to Americans' views on life and family. When presented with the statement, human life is sacred, only 39% of participants agreed. The issue of abortion was also broached, with 37% agreeing that the Bible is ambiguous on abortion. While 41% disagreed, 22% said they didn't know. Okay, well, here's a new news flash: The Bible is not ambiguous on abortion. It's, it's, it clearly condemns the murder of, of children. Read Psalm 139 just to begin. Combining the 37% who say the Bible is ambiguous regarding abortion with the nearly one quarter of adults who admit they don't know, 22%, results in six out of 10 adults for whom the Bible is not the arbiter of appropriate action on the hotly contested issue, the center explained. In raw numbers, that amounts to roughly 150 million adults who would not seek guidance from the, Bi- from the Bible regarding abortion. And, you know, the, the tragedy here is that we know from the research, especially with the crisis pregnancy centers out there, we know that there have been, it's been reported in the past that probably a third of Christian women in the church have had an abortion. So, you know, there are women, no doubt, in your church that have had an abortion and they didn't see anything wrong with it, which is sad. Meanwhile, family itself is being redefined as large majority of Americans, including those attending Christian churches, state that marriage can be between any two or more human beings, regardless of their gender. Further, a large and rapidly growing number of adults believe that gender is not determined by God, but is a personal decision to be left up to the individual and their loved ones, which is insane, just so you know. Totally. The center identifies the problem of abandoning the Bible as the source of truth as undoubtedly spilling over into all other aspects of life, including one's views on war, the death penalty, policing, criminal sentencing, the rule of law, the importance and value of children, parenting obligations, and ad infinitum. In addition to these statistics, 63% of those surveyed agreed with the statement, having faith matters more than what faith you have. Let me say that again. 63%. 63% believe having faith matters more than what which faith you have. I'm just going to tell you, I am in a lot of networking groups, and I talk to a lot of people every week. Um, and I hear so often, and mostly it's really from under pe- people usually under 40, that they're spiritual. I have my spirituality. I would say, well, yeah, it's good to be spiritual because you're a spiritual being. You do have a spiritual being, but most of these people don't adhere to the word of God. They don't even read it. They have no clue what it says. And I think it's um, a, mm, I think it's a nice way of saying I'm not interested in, in the Bible. Anyway, 68% of those who profess to be Christian affirmed the notion <laughs> Of those, 56% of evangelicals agreed with the statement, as well as 62% of Pentecostals, 67% of those who attend mainline Protestant houses of worship agreed, and 77% of Catholics agreed with that statement. Faith matters more than which faith you have. Did you you have a comment, Bareface? 
course I do. Go ahead. Um, uh, Bareface got on the thing. He was getting ready to jump on the thing. That's how I knew people. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Well, give me a chance to get a drink of water here. You know, having faith matters more than which faith you have. So if I sincerely believe that I can survive on a diet of thumbtacks and cocaine, that's good. As long as I sincerely believe it. You know, or... <laughs> Or my faith allows me to murder people as well. Or my people, you know, my faith, you know, etc. Fill in the blank. Well, you know, as long as it's a sincerely held belief and it's, you know, it's it's a faith. It's, it's good to be a, a man of faith. You know, a person of faith. A spiritual person. You know, what, what you believe is immaterial. You know, because, you know, we don't want you to be, you know, an atheist. Or, you know, a faithless person, but though an atheist has a great deal of faith, I think. Um, it's just a crazy idea that having faith matters more than which faith you have. It's, again, it goes back to the relativistic view of, uh, you know, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Hey, it works for me, and everyone's entitled to my opinion. Yeah, they are. <laughs> And you're also entitled to my opinion. That's why you're in watching the show, right? Okay. 48% of respondents said that they believe if a person is, quote, generally good, unquote, and, quote, does enough good things for others, unquote, they'll go to heaven. Only 35% disagreed. Again, 52% of those who identified themselves as Christians agreed with that statement, which tells us that we really need to teach these people the word of God because God's word addresses that most americans also do not view god and obedience to his word as having relation to their purpose or defining success in life while it might seem that maintaining the biblical point of view on both success and purpose would go hand in hand the survey found otherwise the center outlines overall just seven percent of adults believed both that the common purpose of humanity is to know love and serve God, and that the best indicator of success is consistent obedience to God. So that's 7%. It's actually higher than I thought it would be. Barna and the Cultural Research Center believe that the church has much work to do in restoring the biblical foundations of society that are increasingly being lost. This, this begins in the family unit and expands outward to every aspect of American life. That's a monumental but doable change. How can it be done, he asks. Churches must help parents to understand that their highest priority in life is to raise devoted, integrated disciples of Christ. In order for them to do that, churches must help parents to develop the tools required to instill biblical thinking and behavioral choices in the minds and hearts of their children. Adults need to recognize their ability to influence others by modeling what Jesus called for in his disciples consistently obeying his teaching, loving each other, and producing spiritual fruit in every possible way. Now, I just want to make a comment here, because, you know, recently, and you might get sick of me saying this, and I apologize if that's the case, but recently, I have been very blessed and very humbled, actually, to be a part of a, um, I think it was kind of an experiment, um, um, with Pam Gillespie and she came on this show a couple weeks ago and we talked about it at the end of the show, how, you know, we've been meeting daily Monday through Friday to read the Bible together. 
um, not have a Bible study. There's a difference. We're not having a Bible study. We just get on Zoom in the morning, check in, say, hey, I'm going to read this for this long. And then we shut off our camera and mic and we go and we read it privately and, you know, and then come back and then a couple of us share what we got and we go on, right? Now, as simple as that sounds, <laughs> I have to tell you that it has completely undone me and revolutionized my walk with the Lord um, because it... <sighs> You can't explain it, except to say that there is a mutual connection of faith and um, a commitment to accountability to be in God's word and to let God's word um, really shape you. And, you know, one of the things Pam taught me um, is, you know, she did this study on love. I think I might have it close to me, but, but on first Corinthians, right? How, how much have you read that chapter, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Yeah. Anyway, you, we know it so well that we don't know it at all, right? Because it's just like a bumper sticker. Um, and one of the things in there that, you know, I've been really convicted of, um, has been where, where it says love is, love does not provoke, right? How many of you on Facebook have felt provoked by another believer out there who's, who has posted. So I saw something, one of my friends today posted something. I was surprised at who it was, number one. And, um, it was, um, I was like, wow. <laughs> uh, I didn't say anything to the person, but I was like, no, cause I know if I said something, I would, I would be provoked. And what, and what are we being provoked to? We're being provoked to be mad. We're being, we're being provoked to be angry. Right. Um, and God doesn't tell his people to do that. You know, God, Jesus doesn't model that. I mean, Jesus, they tried to provoke Jesus. I mean, just read the gospels. You'll see it. And Jesus didn't respond the way that they had hoped. In fact, he responded the exact opposite most times and it made him even matter because he didn't fall into that trap. If we allow God's word to shape us and teach us and, and we go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to think before I speak. I'm going to think before I type, you know, and, you know, and I'm going to be careful about how this might impact my witness, but even more so how it might impact somebody who disagrees with me politically, you know, and I'm just being honest, you know, I've spent 20 years almost being, a, being an activist, probably longer than that. I mean, I started going to Operation Rescue when I was 18, 19, something like that. So I've been in the world of Christian activism for a very long time. And I have done it very wrong for a very long time. Uh, I have intentionally set to provoke people, um, probably within, you know, within the last 10 years. Uh, but like over the last 10 years, I mean, God has really mellowed me. <laughs> Maybe it's part of getting older, being a middle-aged woman now, but man, in my youth, oh my gosh, 
you talk about being zealous and like, hey, nobody's going to get in my way. I'll punch you out. <laughs> you know, like, you know uh, God, he, he really does work on you. And sometimes, you know, being zealous isn't a bad thing. But, you know, and, and I mean, God loved John and James. I think it was those two who, who he referred to as the sons of thunder. I mean, they, you know, they had passion and they were going to do whatever they could you know, for, for the Lord. Uh, but God also takes you through a trial and, and, and maybe not trial isn't the right word, but he takes you through a, ju- a journey where you learn to walk. And, you know, one of the books that, that I've read many times is Hind's Feet in High Places. Um, it's an interesting book. It's an allegory about this c- character called Much Afraid. And Much Afraid gets to walk with the chief shepherd uh, through her journey uh, of valleys and, and mountains. And along the way, Much Afraid has companions that walk alongside her and the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd teaches her lessons through throughout the way. Well, when you get into the second book of that series, and I think there's something like eight books or something, um, the second book is called Mountains of Spices. And in that book, Much Afraid's name is changed to grace and glory. And it's because Much Afraid began to really understand and embrace the Chief Shepherd's love for her. Um, in fact, it one of the, the most beautiful parts of the book is when you see the, the seed of love that pierces Much Afraid's heart and it gets in there. It hurts when it first gets in. But through her journey with the Chief Shepherd, um, who who's taking her through the valleys and the and the the hills? You know that love begins to grow, and she begins to feel um, God's love, and begins to d- not be f- afraid. Because there's like one of the characters in there is craven fear, you know. Um, and and so we you know we have these different things that we have to deal with, and you know that's another thing: worry, fear, anxiety. Uh, you're looking at a woman who was agoraphobic at one point. I was afraid to leave my house for years. The only place I would go would be therapy, church, and I think school. I think those were like the three places I would go. Otherwise, I wouldn't leave my house. I was like, no, I ain't going nowhere. I am terrified. I want to stay here. I'm scared of the world. You know, I was just so overwhelmed with with that. that. That went on for years. Randall can tell you. He walked with me through that. You know, and so it took a lot of time for me to feel... And understand the word of God and his love and get that really hidden in my heart so that I could believe him over the culture that I was raised in, which was one of abuse and fear. took a long time for me to feel secure in his love that way. And God's good. You know, I mean, he, he will, he will, he will, how do I say this? He, he brings us all on our own journey, our own path. Um, and he doesn't judge us along the way. He helps us. Um, fellow believers might judge us. I've had that happen. Um, but I've done that too. I've judged people. I've tried not to. I don't think I do it now as much as I used to do for sure. But, you know, my point is, is that it was ultimately having a biblical worldview that got me out of it. And the encouragement of, of the real body of Christ that, um, 
you know, encouraged me through the times when I didn't have my own strength or I didn't think I could get through the day. I mean, recently, like going through this, this thing I was just telling you about, there was one morning not too long ago um, where I got an email from somebody in my audience. And it was a very um, critical uh, email judging me for making Bible News Radio a nonprofit organization. Um, it, it was rather condemning, actually. They came after me because they believe that I am now allowing myself to be ruled by the government and I shouldn't have done it. I should trust God, blah, blah, etc. And I was really upset the day that that email came in. And it just so happened it was the morning I was with Pam and we were we were connecting, doing the Bible study. Or not the Bible study, but the, the Bible reading. And I was just like, you know what, you guys? This is kind of where I'm at. I was crying. I was upset. I was hurt, you know? And in the past, I would have never shared that with anybody. I would have said, you know what? I would have moped around my house all day long. I would have wanted to punch somebody in the face like that guy that wrote me. <laughs> I really would have. Um, but that morning, um, it was interesting because something that God tells his people to do is to encourage one another day by day as you see the day draw, drawing cl close to be in community. So here we were in community. Here I was sharing my heart about what's going on. And there the women were willing to pray for me that day. And they did. They prayed for me. And after they prayed for me, I felt encouraged. I felt strengthened and like, you know what? Okay, I can let this go. I can put my focus back on the Lord where it needs to be because God will deal with that person that made that comment out of ignorance, really. And I was able to get through that day and feel good. Why? Because we were doing what God told us to do, confessing our sin, uh, encouraging one another, uh, strengthening one another in the word, um, you know, but it wouldn't have happened if we didn't show up. You know, in, in my sales training, there's this motto that we live by, and that is that success begins by showing up. And it really does. You're never going to get anywhere unless you show up. you got to suit up. you got to show up to, to, make, to make a difference. If you don't show up at your job, you're not going to get paid. If you don't show up to show up in God's word, you're not going to know his word. I mean, it's that simple. If you don't show up and, and share with people what's going on, how are you going to get encouraged? You got to show up. But we live in such a selfie dominated, self-absorbed world that it, it goes, con it goes contrary to everything that we're being taught, especially the kids today. And when I say kid, I mean somebody under 35 because I'm that old, right? Um, it's tragic when this is what we're doing when we're at dinner and, you know, there's no face-to-face, -face, like, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart -heart conversation. You can't, I mean, you can't see that looking at a screen. And, and people's brains are being wired differently. Babies' brains are being wired differently. Um, it's tragic to me that we live in a culture today where a baby can be in a crib and there can be a camera on that baby. And if the baby cries, there's some type of um, stuffed animal or something that the child 
gets to deal with instead of a, a mother coming in and actually giving that child affection and growing that biblical God-given attachment that God has given us human beings. And that's one of the tragedies about COVID in my mind is that by dehumanizing our church gatherings, which has happened, by separating people physically, it's a lot easier to harden your heart and have your heart grow cold because you're not feeling literally the warm embrace of somebody. So I want to tell you something. I really, really, really want to encourage you in this. If you live with people, hug them. I'm, I'm dead serious. Hug your people. Hug them a lot. Touch them. You know, give them kisses and stuff. You know, I mean, appropriately. You know, and, 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 and have that human connection. Because as much as we connect through a computer, and it could be an emotional connection, we still need that physical affection. We, we still need that touch in order to be healthy people. Um, because the, the enemy is doing everything he can to take that stuff away. If you don't, if you don't live with somebody, but you have an animal, hug your animal, you know? Um, I'm, I mean, I probably have more affection for my animal. I mean, I'm not hugging Randall all day long, but my dog's next to me constantly. I mean, he's like right down here. Where is he? Down your lap. Well, no. anyway, no. no, he's behind me. Uh, he's somewhere, but you know, my dog is like my shadow. He's almost like Holy Spirit Junior. He's like with me wherever I go. <laughs> anyway, that was for free. Do you want to comment on any of that? Or should I just keep reading this article? Um, go on to another article. Well, is this is this article almost over? Well, it's close to the end. Okay. You get the idea. All right. All right. Which one do you think I should do next? Um. Well, I think... Uh... Probably the Breitbart article. Okay. Yeah. So this Breitbart article is titled, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Americans must do what you're told despite independent spirit. Uh, yeah, you got to love this, right? Dr. Anthony Fauci expressed concerns Thursday about an independent society trying to fight the coronavirus, arguing Americans should just listen to public health officials. Fauci spoke in a forum about working with officials in the United Kingdom who faced a similar problem. Each of our countries have that independent spirit where we don't want to be told what to do, he said. Well, I understand that, but now is the time to do what you're told. Fauci spoke at the National Cathedral's 2020 Ignatius Forum about facing a second wave of the virus in the fall and the winter. We're not done. Uh, we still need to implement public health measures in a very intense way, he said. Fauci said he loved the federalist nature of the United States, but indicated it was problematic states had different, had different approaches to fighting the virus. We had too much individual approaches toward how we were going to handle the outbreak, so our baseline never came down to the low level where we wanted it to be, he said. Fauci said there would continue to be a core of people who would never take a vaccine, but it was important to combat misinformation to the larger public about the importance of vaccines. He said it would be, quote, problematic, unquote, if up to 50% of Americans refused to take the coronavirus vaccine, which would allow the virus to spread. Well, let's hope and pray that 50% of Americans don't take it. I'm going to be in that, just so you know, because I am not taking no vaccine. There's no way. 
Uh, Valchi continued, I think there has been an authority, anti-authority component to this. We had anti-vax people don't like to be told to be vaccinated. Scientists are often perceived as authoritarian and sometimes, in fact, they've made that perception themselves by the way they act. I think we can improve on that. Well, I'm just going to say this. <clears throat> if you're aware of what Bill Gates and all these guys want to do by wiping out the population, you know, like millions of people at once, uh, then you don't want to do the vaccine, just so you know. Their goal is to reduce the world's population so that ultimately they can control us even more. Uh, but you don't want to read that. But it is out there. It's out there on the website. Uh, Fauci said the United States did not do well in handling the first wave of the virus, but said he did not think that more lock lockdowns were necessary. I do not believe at this point that we do need to lock down, Fauci said, but added... Uh, they had to remain on the table as a possibility for the future. He strongly condemned a herd immunity strategy to deal with the virus, pointing out that of the roughly 10% of the people in the United States who got the virus, there were 245,000 deaths and 10 million infections. Herd immunity, he said, would require a 70% infection rate, thus multiplying the deaths by sevenfold to an estimated 1,715,000 deaths. It's feasible and it's not acceptable, he said. <clears throat> he also spoke about launching a significant study into the 20 and 35% of people who beat the virus but experienced lasting symptoms of fatigue, shortness of breath, muscle aches, and brain fog, difficulty in concentrating and focusing. I mean, that sounds like menopause to me. <laughs> the world has menopause, people. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. That was funny, though, right? Okay, anyway, Fauci urged Americans to weigh seriously the consequences of a Thanksgiving gathering during the pandemic. I almost said pandemic, but I didn't. <laughs> Especially among elderly and at-risk people. You may want to make a decision that you're just going to forestall it, he said. Now, every time I say that I'm the Grinch and that stole Thanksgiving, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Randall, you want to comment on that? <clears throat> well, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but we could go over half hour or more earlier, <laughs> a half hour or more like we did yesterday. Uh, but I thought it was good to lead in with, um, with the Bible being, you know, pushed out no longer the cornerstone culture. And then this, hey, I know you're all independent, but now you got to do what government says, basically, for your own good. And and we'll get into the other two articles, which I think kind of stand on those. But, um, well, I encourage people to read the Bible, first of all, foremost. <laughs> if you read nothing else, read the Bible. Uh, but if you want to do some extracurricular reading in a book that I haven't read in totality, I've read portions of it, large portions, but uh, Alexis de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, where the Frenchman, a journalist, basically, you know, um, bastard source, he toured uh, the U.S. in the um, 19th century, anyway, and basically wrote a book boiling down to that America is unique as a democratic republic and, uh, and he talks about things that led to 
it's main being able to uh, sustain that as when reportedly Ben Franklin was asked, you know, after the constitutional con uh, constitutional convention, what have you wrought? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. There's a challenge to that. Right. Um, but de Tocqueville um, talked about the factors that helped America to maintain that, but also uh, later in that work talked about the things that would work against that and erode that. And it's really quite prophetic when you see what's going on. And so, anyway, I would encourage you all to check into that. I think I perhaps am going to read the whole work. Um, you can find it online. It's nice. Anyway. Well, <clears throat> you know, I'm not going to go over tonight because I have an appointment. I need to have okay. a, I have a meeting right after this. So, um, so I will end the show by, um, by just sharing a couple of things. Number one, um, thank you for tuning in. Randall and I appreciate it. Um, we do. I mean, you know, I know our audience isn't massively massive. Um, so those of you who tune in all the time, we appreciate you doing that. And if you would be so kind as to share it with somebody, that would be awesome. Um, number two, if you like what we do and you want to support us with a donation, you can do that. It's tax deductible. You can go over to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and donate over there. Um, anything you donate helps us. I think right now we get an average of about $300 a month from about five people. So we're not rolling in the dough here and uh, we really could use the help. I mean, it's been tough. You know, Randall and I both are in sales for a living and COVID has made it tougher. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's made it tougher. We're not lying about that. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking this morning, actually, I was like, okay, Lord, look, where do I got to go fish today for food? You know, I mean, cause literally a sale is food for us. That's, that's, you know, and God's been good and he's been faithful. Uh, but you know, um, you know, if you're somebody who benefits from the show, we would ask that you consider donating to us and we appreciate that. Thank you in advance. Um, the third thing is I haven't brought up legal shield in a while. That is my other gig. Um, if you're somebody that needs to get your will done, uh, or, you know, you're, you actually know somebody in small business who has a small business who could use the services that we have to offer. I would love to set up a time and show you what it is that we offer uh, because the value of what we offer is amazing. I mean, I would not be selling the service if it was awful. And I know so many of you have already joined the service. I appreciate that. Um, also, identity theft protection. We have the best identity theft protection out there. If you have an online company in particular, you're on social media, um, you do anything where you have anything online, you really should get protected with ID Shield. ID Shield, uh, we have a huge reputation management aspect to the program as well as uh, we do the full comprehensive restoration. We do the restoration. Nobody else does that. Everybody else, they pretend it's there, but it's not. And that's what's unique to our service. Um, and it's actually included in your membership costs, which is extremely affordable. You can literally cover your whole family for, for about 50 bucks a month. So it's really, really great. The value of it's a lot higher than the cost of your investment in it. 
Um, so if that's something that you think you'd be interested in, it would make a great gift for your business. Number one, it's a tax write-off. And number two, it's a really, really great way to protect yourself. I mean, you need to get your will done. If you don't, most people don't have their will done. Um, if you don't have your will done yet, this is the best way to get it done. It's the most affordable. You get it done in your state. Um, and the membership's $25 a month. Okay. So, I mean, it's crazy. And you got member perks on top of it. So you can, you can get in touch with me about that through any of our social media. Okay. Lastly, um, I would ask that you guys keep Randall and I in prayer, um, especially for God's provision, how he wants to pour that out. Um, I am working um, and praying about a different direction for this show. Um, and I, I see some cool things in the future. Um, but frankly, some of that takes money that I don't have. So if you like what we do, you like that we're standing for the biblical truth and we're not out there kind of, you know, tickling ears because that's not what we do. Um, then your support is really important to us. Um, okay. So that's what I'm going to say with that. Tomorrow night, Randall's come, coming back. Are you going to do a Bible study tomorrow again? Yes, I am. Do you know on what yet? Not exactly. No? Okay. Well, come back tomorrow night. Don't forget to join my text message list. And, you know, you can do that by texting the term Bible News to 33222. If you don't remember that, just get in touch with me. Give me your phone number. I'll add you to the list. I text out a couple times a day because in our Facebook group, our Daily Disciples Facebook group, where we're reading the Bible together um, as a group, um, I let people know when that's happening. Um, and that group really has been a huge encouragement to me personally. Um, we read the whole book of Psalms together as a group. It's pretty cool. Now we're reading the book of John. Um, and, you know, people are in there offering encouragement and they're listening to God's word being built up. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, strengthening all us disciples in the Lord, right? I mean, um, it's, it, we need to make better disciples. We need to make more disciples. And that's kind of what we're trying to do, which also reminds me, I have a Bible study I'm leading in Revelation, the book of Revelation. Um, if you're interested in joining that study, um, get in touch with me. I'll add you onto that email list. Um, and... Um, just so you know, I have two monthly Zooms with that. They're every other Tuesday this week. This coming week is my study on Tuesday night. Um, and I changed some of the format to it so that during the week, uh, you can watch some videos of the teaching of that, which I actually send out an email right now. Eventually, it'll be on a website where you can go to too. But in, right now, the only way you can you can get access to that study is in my email. Um, so if you want to be a part of that and you want to share that with somebody, uh, then message me through our website and we'll get you connected to that as well. Okay. So there's a little bit more in the show that we do. Um, and I love it. I love everything that, I, that we're doing. Uh, I'm so, I'm touched that God has allowed me to do what we get to do. Um, there's nothing in my life that brings me greater joy truly than to than to be with people who I can hang out with who love God's word who are growing in his word I mean I had I had this great 
Bible study this morning. It was awesome. It was just like, I'm like, wow, I actually learned something new. It was so cool. So, um, and that's how you're encouraged, right? That's how you go countercultural, you know, hang out with disciples, get strengthened in your faith, go make other disciples. And, and then watch, watch how your life will change when you're focusing on the kingdom of God as opposed to the world's kingdom that's trying to freak you out and make you all mad and discouraged. You know, am I aware that we need a president? Yes, Donald Trump is our president still. Uh, am I aware that we're still, we haven't figured it out yet? I'm not worried. God's on the throne. He's going to work everything out. If it turns out, you know, whatever. I mean, we'll live through it, okay? You know, the, the world isn't going to end. It's just not going to end. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. So <laughs> just be encouraged, you know? Ah, just be encouraged, people. All right? Okay. So with that said, I hope you have a great night. Um, and remember, God loves you. He does. Yeah, he does. So be bold, stand up and go with God because he loves you. Okay, I'll see you, I'll see you tomorrow.